Y'all, welcome back. I am so excited right now. Uh, Eric and Gabe and Ashley are here, and we're going to be talking about a concept that is near and dear to my heart. It's a passion of mine. We're going to talk about comedy. What is a comedian? What makes a comedian? What is the role of a comedian? It's, it's something that I've dived into a lot. I used to do a bunch of stand-up comedy back in the day, and anybody listening, you might be wondering why I'm not funnier if I did used to do stand-up comedy. There's a reason I don't do it anymore. First off, to open up, Ashley had a great idea, or great ideas, but where I want to start, I think, is with with each of you, what was like the first comedy y'all remember that really like sparked you as just, I mean, I mean, I feel like everybody likes comedy. I can't, you know, it's, this isn't like what really got you into Thai food. Like this is not a specific, this isn't a limiting genre. Like, but do y'all remember what your first comedy was and actually i'm going to start with you just because i mean it was your idea what was what was the first movie you really remember or you know whatever what was the first funny thing you really remember so for as long as i can remember my dad is uh, always been in love with comedy every facet of it he um that I, I, there's not a time that i can't remember him not talking to me about comedy and comedians from a very very young age and the background of that stems from my when we moved into the house that i grew up in and my parents still live in today My sister, when she was born, uh, my mom was like breastfeeding her and keeping her in the bedroom. And I, I was like three, I didn't want to sleep alone in my bed. I wasn't comfortable with that. And so my dad would like, we would sleep in the bed together and he would tell me jokes to get me to fall asleep. And he, I remember being like legitimately three, four years old, rolling, laughing with my dad telling me probably like really simple jokes, but that's one of my earliest memories. And then from there, um, he would let me stay up a little later than I probably should in like elementary school. And I would catch the first, um, opening acts of Jay Leno and David Letterman with him, or he'd like record them when DVRs became available and we'd watch them the next day together. And then in sixth grade, I remember I really became like held to comedy when I would, sometimes forgo sleepovers with girlfriends so that I could watch Saturday night live actually live on Saturday night. Um, so yeah, it's totally attributed to my dad, but, um, I mean, comedy has been a huge, huge love and part of my life that I've consumed enormously through pop culture and in all ways. And I mean, we watched, um, Seinfeld when it aired live in the nineties, um, and I did try my hand at some improv- improvisational stuff, um, post-college. And so, yeah, really? I mean, I'm just a huge, huge fan. Oh yeah. Big time. I want to, I will, I will forget to circle back to that as I always do, but I want to try to circle back to that. So one of y'all remind, get that, I need, please. I need more details there, but, uh, but yeah. Okay. So Gabe, I'm curious, man. What, how about you? What, what are your com- comedic origin stories? Yeah, some some overlap there with Ashley's actually um, dad fed also. Um, First and foremost, the one that sticks out big time in my mind that, oh, man, laughing at a screen is a thing is Monty Python and the Holy Grail with my dad. I mean, just in stitches, I'd replay it over and over again. He's like, dude, we've we've seen this movie. You laughed at it a bunch of times like an hour ago. Why are you still playing it? I'm like, it's funny. It's comedy. Don't you get it, Dad? But yeah, also Seinfeld. Oh, wow. This is a regular thing that like happens you know, every night. They just play these regular characters and you laugh at them. Um, so that's kind of an, an also a thing. Um, yeah, I think those are the two that stuck out in my mind the most. 
I feel like for our generation, Seinfeld is such a gold standard. Like for when you know, I mean, obviously he's. I'm not going to call him the goat. I've got others that I think are better, but he is definitely up there. But for our generation, he's one of the best. E, Gary's where did goat, you start? Probably. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Awesome. I think it, I think that's reasonable. Like he's just he sort of shaped the way we think about comedy in a lot of the ways. He's just so ubiquitous too, right? Like that show was on for multiple hours every single day. Always. Growing up, right? So that makes sense. Um, for me, yeah, I'm trying to remember like what the earliest I remember, co- like earliest comedies. Um, the Disney movies I remember finding very funny when I was a kid, right? Mm. Rewatching those over and over again. Um, my parents showed me Bill Cosby himself at a very young <gasps> age, dude, which is just like really incredibly funny and really family friendly too. So it totally works. Um, you know, that same with y'all. That will circle back to probably later things. That yeah, we well, exactly. About. Like, it, if it, we're going to talk about cancel culture, I'm guessing he could possibly. But it is. Uh, I mean, Bill yeah. Cosby was a gold standard for oh. so many people. It really, though. Yeah. And so, like, Gabe, you know, I promise you I've watched Monty Python and the Holy Grail with Gabe before. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, a yes. lot of shows, you know, your Simpsons, your Animaniacs, that type of thing. Oh, Yeah. I do. I remember Animaniacs. Animaniacs in a very similar vein, at least what, that I recall, along with the slapstick portions of Monty Python. Because like when Monty Python, when when they're walking down, like when it's the monks and they're hitting themselves in the face with whatever those assumedly Bibles are, that's that stands out as one of the, like the pivotal moments of my youth. Like it's just it's slapstick. It's dumb. And Animaniacs had a lot of that, but also very clever comedy as well woven in, which I think is. That's, it's kind of a benchmark for our generation, I, I, I want to say, because Looney Tunes was funny, but it was only slapstick. You know what I mean? It, it was just falling off cliffs and anvils and, and you know, funny stuff that my kids still laugh at. But Animaniacs Physical was that comedy is funny. Oh, yeah. Oh, dude. They st- it's, that's universal. I doubt that will ever not be funny. Like, it's, there's a reason that Idiocracy, Owl My Balls, is, is referenced in that. Like, that's, that's never going away. At period. That's just human nature. We laugh at that stuff. It's just what it is. Uh, actually, my, my very first that I remember. Do y'all remember uh, Bushwhacked with Daniel Stern? Uh, one of the bad guys from Home Alone. Yeah. He was the camp counselor, the, the fake camp counselor in Bushwhacked. I remember my first crush was on the girl in that movie when they used her bra as a slingshot. Because I was just like, oh my God, it's a bra. But also I was laughing at Daniel Stern's slapstick. Like that movie stands out for me forever. But then also Tommy Boy and Black Sheep. Yes, when Tommy Chris Boy. When Chris came on the scene. Tommy Boy specifically. Tommy Boy. Black Sheep was good, but Tommy, Tommy Boy specifically. And that's one that my dad showed me. Which is weird that we all have these. Same. We have similar instances of our, of our father's like pointing us towards comedy. I don't know what that is. Or like, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess that's where dad jokes came from. Like we all have dads that are funny but anyways my dad came back from like a trip or whatever and he was like i saw this movie in a hotel and he was referencing the scene where tommy boy gets like walks by the pool by that like hot girl and he's like you know where the weight room is like that's till till the day my father died that's the funniest thing he's ever seen in his life like he would he probably referenced that scene thousands of times no exaggeration and it's just that's that was a that it's just tommy boy and chris farley i mean in saturday night live sketches and all of that like farley was just such a different breed at least to me he was new to me and that was actually about the time that you were skipping sleepovers to, to hang out. Who was, if you don't mind me asking, who was your like SNL people? Who were your, who were your go-tos? Yeah, well, I mean, that was the era of Sherry O'Terry, Molly oh. Shannon, um, Chris Parnell. Who else was in that cast? Will Ferrell. Oh, I yeah. I mean, yeah. That, that cast, that, Chris that uh, late 90s, Chris David Kattan. Daryl Hammond um, killed me. Daryl Hammond. Hammond. Yeah, that you. was that cast. That late 90s cast was just killer. 
you can and keep uh, somebody said I saw this somewhere recently where they said like everybody's favorite. SNL cast is the cast that you first started watching the show on. Like Has that's just a thing. And it, it, there's probably some kind of nostalgia tied to that for sure. But um, I mean, those were some high, like major players. I think Maya Rudolph was like, that's when she first started maybe. Yeah. Just starting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't think like Amy Poehler and Tina Fey weren't there yet. I don't think. That, and certainly that was, it, that was, that was later. Yeah. That was, yeah, that, that was down the line, but like Farley and David Spade and Adam Sandler were just like, they were coming out of it. Like there was a last year or two with them. Yes, like, it was that wave. Was and then the, that second wave. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Tracy Morgan. Man, I mean, yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Tracy. <laughs> the, the Tracy Morgan, <laughs> that homeless character is still one of the, the funniest characters in the world to me, but okay. So I'm curious. But do y'all remember it, like doing, doing sketches at school? Because I, I mean, oh, I feel yeah. like Megan McCammon, like we, there was a couple of us that were really into it and watched them. And I definitely remember like, try, you know, we would try to imitate them and talk about them afterwards. And um, uh, speaking of like movies that made you laugh, I, I'll never forget. This was sixth grade. Shout out to, again, sometimes podcast co-host for us, Dylan Ellis. Um, we all got together. Our sixth grade teacher got us all together to watch Young Frankenstein. And Ooh, I just uh, remember uh, that sorry, specific... you mean you mean Frankenstein. I just want to Frankenstein. Yeah, I remember making like a like every like all the boys, of course, are like trying to like make jokes on top of the jokes. And I just remember that I got one and I wish I could remember what it was. But like yeah. I had everybody laughing and I was like, oh, my God, this is like the best feeling ever. So that just made my whole like weekend. You know, I really do feel like there is a big part of me all through junior high and high school. That's like, man, if you can make the boys laugh, including you three right here. It's like, oh, that's 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 real score man that is a perfect segue into the next section but then also y'all there's gonna be a lot of circling back that we're not going to get to but your first big laugh that you got think about that while we're kind of doing this i would try to circle back to that because ash that's a great point that i wish i would have thought about the first time you were like man i could be funny i want to be funnier but the fact that you just said i can make the boys laugh that is such a unfair double standard, in my opinion. And, I, and I'm aiming down this direction on purpose because I want to go there. Female comedians, the idea of women not being funny or not being as funny as men, quote unquote, I feel like is starting to die off. The, the amount of times I've heard that phrase, like, oh, women just aren't funny. Like, that's, I haven't heard, like, I've heard it once or twice recently, but only once or twice. Whereas I used to hear that a lot. Do, do y'all agree? Do, do you feel that sentiment is starting to fade? Yes. I would say yes, and I would attribute a lot of it to the Me Too movement. I just think that Ooh. that broke up a ton of the boys club era of stuff, and there were women out there doing things, but they weren't given the right platforms, just like any underrepresented community um, because women in comedy has existed. Um, I mean, it, since the beginning of time and women have played hilarious characters in film and TV and obviously all the SNL women and whatever, but like as far as stand up comedians, I mean, that's gotta be the hardest uh, breakthrough, but there's so many now. Um, and I would think that partial partially due to, just kind of dismantling the, you know, the people who are in power that make the decisions or who's going to get a Netflix special or whatever. Yeah. Oh, dude, that's beautiful too. Just in researching this episode, Googling Netflix stand-up comedy women comes up with so many. 
There's, I mean, even just five or 10 years ago, I bet you it was slated about 75, 25, whereas now that it's ish, maybe I'm guessing 60, 40, maybe 55, 45, you know, whatever it's, it's aiming that way more and more. But also I don't know. It's not that women suddenly got funnier. Uh, Ash, it's interesting that you attributed to the me too movement. I don't know that I had a, a, a like a, a moment. In well, I'm not saying women got to. funnier. I'm just saying there's more, there's, it's more accessible for women to get their material out there now. Maybe it's, yeah. They don't have to worry about the ABC exec green lighting it. They can just film a That's thing and put it to YouTube. Like how hard Joan Rivers had to work, even Carol oh, God, Burnett, yeah. back in the day. I mean, oh, yeah. all like... Jane th- Curtin, th- those were, she, those she was on great. the SNL uh, news desk way back in the day, and she was hilarious, yes. but she was never given that type of billing, whereas, I mean, she sat a- across Dan Aykroyd, and he got, yeah. hu- I mean, obviously, hugely successful, whereas she didn't really go on to do much, which isn't fair, because she was just as funny as him, or at least their rapport was brilliant, and it doesn't matter, I could wax a little stand-up, but yeah, it's, it's something that, having done a ton of open mics, and seeing a ton of both men and women crush and struggle i've seen i mean just because it it probably was about seven to three just like men to women going up but it was 50 50 on who does good and who does bad half the women were funny half the women were terrible same with the dudes half the dudes were funny and me and the other half were struggling and so to see that it's just it's just i don't know why it was ever that way other than just standard sexism but like jokes are jokes like everybody laughed at Whoopi goldberg why why was why did it take another 20 30 years for this to start you know what i mean like what what, what took so long or was it just that now that we all can do youtube that's just what it is well i think of what what's appropriate what was deemed appropriate for women to say has come a long way you know i mean it's okay for guys to talk sexually it's okay for guys to talk crassly it's okay for guys to use curse words um and ladies were meant to be prim and proper so if they dip their toe in that arena it's like oh you're a slut or a dirty mouth or you know no that's that's a great point thinking back through the years just like the amount of I mean, Richard Pryor obviously could say and do anything. I mean, he's comedic God. He's just one of my, it doesn't matter. But same with George Carlin. I mean, George Carlin literally got arrested for saying naughty words, but then he still kept getting booked. Whereas women, there was no, you, you almost weren't allowed. It's not, that, it's not that no women were brave enough to do it. It's that if you did it, you got canceled. As opposed to George Carlin got arrested and then booked on HBO the next month. Like that's, huh. Why is that? Why, why have we always deemed women, and this is not the topic at all, but it's just interesting. Why have we always deemed women to be the more modest ones? Why have we always forced that on y'all? I'll let I somebody mean, else jump in. <laughs> Thanks. Great question, Joe. Let's <laughs> <laughs> talk comedy. Why are we subjugating <laughs> women, everybody? Guys. I mean, yeah, there is a history of that, right? And I think that's sort of built in sort of social constructs is that part of things. Um to the comedy part, though, I think a lot of it is just as information has become more readily available, there's been this idea that it's more important to have a broader understanding of the world at large. And I kind of think the women comedian comes comes into that in a certain way. Like, for a long time, I don't think it mattered if you understood a different viewpoint than the only one you had. Whereas now I think it's very useful and sort of expected that you do in one way in which you can do that is to understand the humor of somebody. Because if you can understand the humor of somebody, you're really going to know quite a bit about them without having to go too far into things sometimes. That's a great point.
I, re- I really like that. And honestly, the, having, you having said that made me realize what it is I used to do. Like, I used to skip class and just watch stand-up, like, pretty much all day back in the day when Comedy Central would just run comedy, like, literally just stand-up comedy until, like, noonish, and then they start, you know, whatever, on, like, a Tuesday. And I always enjoyed black comedy, specifically Steve Harvey, back before he got super clean, back when he was super dirty. I always enjoyed it because it was a point of view that I didn't understand or share or really have any other access to being a you know an eighteen year old kid in Waco Texas there it, it was just like something it it's, it it was something foreign and it was almost like a it's a slice of life if you can make somebody laugh about a joke about your culture and I've never experienced that culture like that says something about you as a comedian it's, and specifically maybe that's what it is too with women because the media has been dominated by dudes for so long we just didn't get it when women joked about things that were more specific to women it just it wasn't as funny to us because we didn't think it was as accessible or as relatable well, you know what i mean part of it's probably just not understanding it right like yeah we have more avenues to understand things now and i think that might be part of it that's why i always liked margaret cho like she talked about the difficulties of being a woman and the difficulties of being asian at the same time and she made it hilarious like that, that was so it was <laughs> genuinely i give her credit like that that she was probably one of the first female comedians that i was like this this girl's like doing something different and she talked about gay stuff like it, it the more I think about comedy, I, I really, I appreciate it. Like some, I'm assuming, appreciate church. Like I, I want oh, yeah. you to preach about your point of view. You know what I mean? Like I want your experience laid out in a funny way. Gabe, I'm curious what that face was because I, I saw a quick reaction there. No, just this listening and Googling and, and thinking about stuff. Um, I, even coming into this episode, I was, I was like, you know, talking to my wife, like, hey, Christy, you know, we're going to talk about women in comedy and and what's the deal with women in comedy? You know, hey. know. It sounds like a really bad joke setup, but yeah, um, it's a terrible setup from the eighties, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was even coming into it, like my my own bias was still there. I was like I, I, I was like, hey, you know, Christy, it seems like because we were talking about what are some of the reasons women haven't or have been deemed this less successful yeah. or like less access or no specials. Why are they lesser than men in comedy? Why is that perceived? And I was like, well, maybe, you know, part of it has to do with them being um, like taking fewer risks in being uh, inappropriateness. And my wife was very quick to shoot me down and said, have you ever seen Bridesmaids? So, yeah. Bridesmaids, so, um, or have you ever oh seen God. Amy Schumer or Sarah Silverman or? <laughs> yeah. See, yeah. and yes. the answer to these questions is No. Sadly. So there's my own bias. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coming through. Ah. So, I mean, and I'm oh, yeah. thinking Interesting. on all these, um, on, on women who are like, who I think are super funny and women through history. And like, we're talking about the question of why has it always been this way? I mean, going back to like the roots of comedy, you know, Shakespeare days, 15, 1600s, all the women were played by men. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, so it's been around 600 years or whatever. I'm not very if, good at math. Something like no, that. Yeah. Yeah. Good call. yeah. Well, I mean, that's, and that's typical sexism. They weren't allowed. Like, it's not that they didn't want to, it's they weren't allowed in. So that, damn, Ash, you really nailed it. It, it, It's genuinely as almost everything else, every episode we do, like I'm realizing it's just a bunch of white dudes that control shit and they didn't want to let anybody else in. It's, it's the same good old boys clubs, anything else. Good. I have to plug, um, if y'all have never seen Why We Laugh, Funny Women, it was a, it's on Amazon, you can rent it. It was a movie that came out in 
2017? No, 2013. Wow, it's older than I thought. But Joan Rivers, um, I think well, she's, she's a big part of it, but it's, it's just a bunch of funny women talking about you know, they're veterans of the game talking about what their experience has been like in, in all facets of comedy. It's really, really great. So I would highly That's encourage cool. people to see that. Since we're doing that, also check out Yearly Departed. It was on Netflix in uh, January, and it's uh, an all-female cast giving eulogies to things that they want to be done. Uh, like in 2021, they're like, yeah, we're done making America great again. Like one lady did like a whole seven-minute set on just burying that concept. Oh, that's amazing. And plenty of other costumes. Natasha Leggero's on it. Sarah Silverman's on it. It's fucking, it's great. Ch- check it out. Also, yeah, if we're just uh, shouting you know, out women things to watch on Netflix, just watch watch the Taylor Tomlinson special on Netflix. She's hilarious. Oh, I need to check that out. I, I have a woman shout. It's a YouTuber, Makara Tours. She's hysterical. She does her own sewing and fashion stuff, and her editing is incredible. Interesting. That's my big, and see, that's, that's my again, YouTube cool. is beautiful. This is great. Lifting the everybody fact up, that, yes. I, the fact that she can sew and do comedy at the same time would never and be edit. promoted. The editing takes for freaking ever. She does all of it. It's pretty impressive. Gabe knows better than I, but editing sucks. Let's just be very, very clear. It is the Work. worst. It's why we switch back to Swagcast. What up? But no, it, uh, Gabe, it's interesting that you bring up your wife because like, I, I'm just going to assume here that your wife has made you laugh. And oh, yeah. my wife, my wife has made me laugh. I wouldn't be able to be with you if you wouldn't be able to make me laugh. You know what I mean? Like, I, I can't surround myself with people who aren't funny. That's, that's what helps crush the overwhelming ennui of our never-ending existence and our march toward inevitable death. Point is, if someone says women aren't funny, do you just, like, not like women? Like, do you not have a girlfriend or, like, a, or a wife or any? But you know what I mean? Like, I, I think deep down, it, there, there's, something bigger, there's something bigger there than funny. It's you just don't, like, I can't, like, oh, man. Okay. I know Louis C.K., speaking of cancel culture, is not, uh, is not hot right now. Not Definitely not so hot right yeah, now. Yeah, but he's but, so funny and observant, though. He's, he's so, so remember, funny. And as a woman, I, I have, I, I, this is part of my notes that I wrote down. I mean, I really, really, me. really loved Louis C.K., like, a lot. Like, he was probably my top five. And, um, Oops. Uh, it sucks because, you know, what he did off stage is obviously, you know, not okay. Not great. Not great. In, in all, yeah. in all, in all ways, shapes, ways, and forms. But, um, damn, cancel culture is hard. Right? He had a bit back in the day. Uh, when he was sitting in traffic and there was a guy like honking at him and like, obviously he wasn't moving because everybody's in traffic and he's like, look, I can't, I can't move forward. There's cars in front of me. And like the guy apparently gets out of his car and walks up to him. And so Louis, you know, he's telling his bit, he's like, look, I know I can't possibly convince this guy with logic that I'm not the one controlling traffic. So this guy's standing in my car door and I decide to just go dumb. And he's like, all right, well, give me my jacket back. And the guy and guy that was screaming is suddenly confused. He goes, yeah, I told you you could borrow it, not have it. Give it back. I need it now. And the guy was just so confused that he went back to his car and he sat down. I, I think the only way to beat dude that says women aren't funny is to just go dumb. I don't think you can p- put logic. I don't think you could sit down and be like, hey, watch the stand up. I think he's funny. I think you just go dumb. You just go, oh, dude, I didn't know you were gay. That's so brave of you. That's so brave of you. It's <laughs> okay. so strong of you to come out like that right now. Like, <laughs> I really, if I ever hear that again, that might be, and this is not the right answer. Anybody out there listening, don't do that in real life, especially not at your office or some shit. But I might, I really, I really, I really might, because that's, I think that's the only way to, to, to curb that type of thought, because there's no logic there. They're not even arguing about funny. They're just, they probably got some deeper issues. 
Yeah. I have a, I, a question that maybe. Uh, okay, well, I, I I had a question that I also thought about that maybe pivots that this topic a bit, but like the whole thing about comedians being either secretly or not so secretly very depressed people or very, um, you know, addicts. Now, the Louis C.K. thing is what made me think of it because it's like, okay, well, you know, if somebody's just willy-nilly taking their pants down in front of people, then you you got other psychological problems going on. So, um, you know, it's just like you think about Robin Williams, Belushi, Farley, um, I mean, the whole list of Neil Brennan, who I love, who I think is so, yeah, but people who are like really dark people who then turn to comedy and become some of the funniest people. Curious on thoughts around the group on that. I mean, I I honestly, I think it kind of makes sense because part of the only way to deal with that is to find the humor in it, right? To find the humor in life is the only way you could sort of go through this horrible darkness. And if you always feel that way, you have to find something light about it or else it's just going to consume you. And so to me, it almost, almost makes sense that that type of personality breeds certain comedians because I think it's the only way. And I think it becomes popular because we all have some of that in us, right? I think it's incredibly relatable when anybody admits that they have, I mean, even just like Kevin Love, who's not a comedian. I mean, he's a basketball player and he just came out and he yeah. admitted that he was like, yeah, I've, I've got mental issues. And so many people are like, yeah, me too. Like we, we all, we all can relate to that. But I think there is e- definitely to try to find something funny to pop off and, and break free of the, the stress and monotony and et cetera of life. But also learning from a young age that you can make somebody laugh is a quick way to get out of things. If you've done something wrong, but you spin it funny, you can get out of shit. I remember specifically driving home one day with my father after getting, I don't know what I did that I got in trouble, but I definitely got in trouble and he definitely knew about it. And I purposefully referenced Blazing Saddles to just be funny. And he laughed and the rest of the ride home, the mood changed. And I was like, oh shit, this is like, it's like a, it, it's like a cheat it's code a cheat to code. life. Yes, yep. dude. Thank you. It is literally, it's, awesome. a, it's a life hack that you can at least break the stress of a situation. Obviously, most situations, not all. But, you know, it, in, a, in a given situation, if you can really hit uh, like, <laughs> oh, man. Um, dang, I'm not going to remember his name. But there's a comedian I, I used to like a lot, Brian Posehn. He talked about when uh, his mom, who had, who had uh, got a state, his mom got remarried. And the guy that she remarried actually uh stole from them and and fled down and dude's name was like miles i forget his last name it doesn't matter but when the they all found out about it they're sitting around the thanksgiving table and they realized that the new father had stolen all their money and fled and his name was miles and brian posein he says yep i guess miles is miles away now huh and it made his grandma laugh and so then everybody else laughed and it like more or less diffused what would be a terrible situation and he has recalled that moment fondly of realizing like that's why i'm getting into comedy realizing that he could at least put a Band-Aid on an otherwise terrible situation. So, hey, that helps me circle back for the second time ever in podcast history. Do y'all remember your first big laugh? The first time you did or said anything that either got, you know, your family or your friends or a group, you know what I mean? Like, do y'all remember that moment? Yes. I don't think I do. You do, Gabe? What was it? Hit me, yeah. Uh, 
so I, I did a lot of impersonations and impressions when I was a kid. And I remember the one that killed was Michael Jackson. Because, I mean, it was easy. All you had to do is stick your hand in the air, squeal, and grab your nuts. Like, yeah. It was easy. <laughs> like, like, oh, look at this kid. Ha, he's Michael Jackson. So that was it. I mean. Wow. So, I mean, what were you, nice. six, seven-ish, something like that? Yeah. I mean. I mean, yeah, yeah, before Michael Jackson became, like, obviously, they, nobody wanted their kid impersonating him after a while because that mm-hmm. became a thing. But, yeah, that's that's oh, yeah. interesting, dude. Like, that's. That's wild. Impersonate. I was never and never have been good at impersonations. Like, uh, uh, E, you know, I, I've only ever had the one voice. I, c- I could do the Yeah, kind of the you use the same accent for every, every single thing. Every time. <laughs> I don't, I can't so do voices. Hilarious. I've never been able to. It's not my thing. It's, it's just, it's just I'm a it pretty good impersonator. I can, I can do a couple different things, which I'm not about to do I on was this like, podcast right now. now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Ash, I'm going to need you to practice. Store. Whatever our next topic is, we're going to have a five-minute just improv. Ash right. does. Con- hey, that reminds me. Let's circle back again. Y'all, we're going to hit two for two circle backs on the night. What, what was your comedy improv? Did you like join a troupe or something? I did. So I w- went to film school at UT. I was really, really good friends with these two guys that were really funny. And they started doing sketch comedy videos really before really anybody was doing that and throwing them up on YouTube. Um, these are like early days of YouTube. It was like 2006, yeah, yeah. 2007. And, um, I just had always told them that they were so damn funny and that why didn't they give their hand at, you know, doing this live and that I had always loved SNL and been interested in improvisation. So I got them to sign up to join, um, cold town theater here in Austin, Texas. And we yeah. did, um, I did two full semesters of it and it was so much fun. It's so terrifying. It's like an amazing experience and you're just, you know, flying on adrenaline for a solid hour. But, um, yeah, I mean, I made it to like the level of talent that it takes. And it made me think a lot about like, I have stand-up comedy bits in my phone right now that I've written down for years and compiled, and I've told my <laughs> Joe's face eyes are just like this wide. I mean, that I, do I too, but 2020, I, didn't know you did. I had put I had put a New Year's resolution that I was just going to deliver a tight five somewhere stand-up in the year of 2020, and then COVID hit, well, so it kind of pushed yep. things out. But I'm kind of kind of kicking myself and and i'm i really want to like edit put it together and maybe try it before the end of this year see what happens. that's a great goal great well, goal i'll be there ash that's yeah. yeah all right yeah if you sure. give me enough time heads up i would literally flip we could do a we could do an in-person episode for the first time which would be dope but b i would love to be there for that that would be amazing that oh my Thanks, god that'd be amazing Dude, hell yeah. <laughs> okay, so I do kind of want to circle back uh, to one thing. Wow, three for three circle backs. Um, do you remember your first like slapstick comedy? Because I, I do admit mine was bushwhacked. Like, do, do you guys remember the first time like Pratt Falls and whatnot? Did you? Because like in my opinion, Daniel Stern was classic at that. What do, do you guys Lucille remember Ball. your first one? Lucille Ball all oh, the way. Oh God, yeah. God, yeah. She, I that, love she could teach a master class. I mean, every night before bed, watching that show. My sister was even in, more into it than I was. We used to watch Dick Van Dyke, um, the Dick Van Dyke show, and uh, I also Love Lucy on Nick at Night. Like that, the, those, that was our hour of TV before bed. That was American, and probably humanity as a whole, but that was comedy for the longest time. I mean, Pratt yes. falls, Dick Van Dyke falling over the little thing every time we walked in the room. Or I Love Lucy when they were stuffing chocolates in their faces, her and uh, Ethel, whoever her team. Yeah, like the, those scenes stand out because, they, I mean, they're all physical comedy. It translated so well. It wasn't, 
It wasn't like scathing takes about the president. It was just like, look at me, I'm going to be silly for a while. They you know didn't what I mean? even like it, use words. Yeah, you didn't they need didn't say anything. Yeah, you you really didn't. Like it was it was hilarious. E, e, do you remember yours? I mean, for that, I mean, Home Alone is essentially all Pratt Falls, right? That's what I was so thinking I about. Also, Daniel Stern. That's perfect, dude. Thank you. That brings us to this week's quiz, everybody. Everybody get excited. Thank you so much for saying that. I don't know how you knew I was aiming there or if you did or didn't, regardless, skills. All right, guys. Literally, I've done uh, a couple episodes way back in the day before you all lovely people decided to join me. So the three of you, thank you for joining me. I I really appreciate it. But I used to do a character that uh, she was a Danish woman who had started the Daniel Stearns fan club. Uh, She she made a debut in a couple different episodes. It was awesome. So we're going to do Daniel Stearns quiz, guys. Okay. I, I honestly okay. do love Daniel Stern. I can't lie, but okay. I'm going to name you. Uh, I mean, he, you know, he was in all the good movies. He was in Home Alone, Bushwhacked, Rookie of the Year, City Slickers. Great stuff. But did you guys know he was also in? And I'm going to name you three things right now. You have to tell me what he was in. He was in either Rugrats, Hey Arnold, or Doug. Which one was he in? My first instinct is Rugrats. Me too. Mine was Hey Arnold. I'll go Doug hey. to be different. As you do. Uh, he was in Hey Arnold. He was Mr. Packenham, which I don't honestly remember, but I was never big into Hey Arnold, so it doesn't really matter. Oh, All Hey right, Arnold's great, by the way. Oh, loved Hey I Arnold, loved hey but Arnold. I don't, it, it, was never, it was never like a top one for me. I don't know why. Football head never really, I don't know, it doesn't matter. Which one of these was he in? Doogie Howser, MD, The Wonder Years, Family Ties. Mm. Wonder Years. Yeah, I wonder years. He's an know this. Yeah, dude. And he was like old Kevin Arnold. Or, or yeah, like he was like the, yeah. 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 Damn. He, I love you, the wonder years. Hey, Arnold, yeah. Kevin Arnold. You just know things. It's, oh, it's amazing. Too. He is a very accomplished TV watcher. I know firsthand. TV, yeah, Gabe, sports, Gabe's movies. Work. It's pretty good. It, <laughs> it's incredible. He, you ever see those shows that the CNN does on like the recap of the 90s, the 2000s? Have you seen yeah. that? Like oh. CNN does a ama- and CNN does amazing. Sorry to sidetrack, Joe. CNN does amazing. Um, these amazing little like episodic things on on pop culture topics, and they just did one on the history of late night, which is amazing, also. Uh, but any, I bring it up because I, was, I feel like E and I would like to say myself in some arenas, we would be would great like people for this, Hundred percent, you know, yeah. like I, I've just consumed so much stuff on, I, you know, whatever the like, topic is, I feel all those old, like VH ones. Like I love the eighties. I love the nineties, all that shit. Like, yes. Watch that and just consume yes. all of that all the time. Yeah. And I bet yes. you wreck out okay. every reference to, I, I believe both y'all. Shout out CNN. I, no, I Thank love you. it. Yeah, I didn't know CNN. Uh, that's great. All right, last one. Round out the uh, the Daniel Stern quiz here. Which one of these was he in? Family Guy, The Simpsons, or Dilbert? You mean as like a cameo? Uh, actually, I think in all of these he was in more than one. Okay. Or a special guest. Whatever. They turn him into a character. Yeah, it, it, so far, yeah, because the Wonder Years, he was in all of them. Hey Arnold, he was in three episodes, and then in this one, in the one that he was in, was more than one. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Dilbert because I feel like I would know if he was in the other ones, but maybe I wouldn't. Simpsons. Ash. Oh, I said Simpsons. Oh, Simpsons, Simpsons, and Dilbert. Nobody said Family Guy because he was in Family Guy, and <laughs> really? he was, and he was also in The Simpsons. And he was also in Dilbert. 
Okay. Uh, no. okay. Uh, hey, everybody. That's what I'm saying. Daniel Got Spurs. Him. I'm about versatile, to fall off my chair. Versatile actor right there. That's I cool. genuinely love him. I'm not even kidding. He actually was He's Dilbert. Great. Did you know, like, did you know that? I, he, he was, was Dilbert. Dilbert Dilbert? Yeah. Okay. I had no idea. <laughs> I didn't even know. And I liked Dilbert. I remember there was like a couple funny episodes. I remember the stock episode was really funny, but we don't need to go down that road without Vance here because... Yeah, wow. Uh, he, he was texting yeah. us today. He's he's a big fan. And I, I'm not going to lie, I'm drinking his Kool-Aid lately, so we'll see how that goes. All right. If you guys were to, I don't even know how to ask this question, to be totally honest, but it, if you guys were to say why the cancel culture has become so big lately, why do you think that is? Because I can't, I mean, I, I admit, I can't point to like a reason or like what, you know what I mean? Like it, there was no, <laughs> there was no like 9-11 that then, all right, we're going to get super tight with security. Like there was no like, oh, somebody did a thing. Now we're going to get super tight with jokes. Like wh- why is it suddenly this, this almost overreaching effect? So, so I would, I would not say that cancel culture started with jokes, right? Like I think mm. it sort of right. bled into that, right? Like cancel culture honestly made sense from a certain standpoint. Like Harvey Weinstein needed to be canceled. Fuck that guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. slowly but surely <laughs> we're like, this is also offensive, but it was said in the name of comedy. And then, you know, there's an argument to be made that it became a gray area. So I would say that maybe it bore out of honestly, maybe just the idea that comedy is subjective and people find different things funny and some people find things that are offensive funny and some people are yes. only offended hmm. yes so i totally agree as per usual weird the, so weird yeah weird and uh there is a great recent snl sketch about like a lot of this cancel culture has come out of the gen z generation who is so fragile to not upset anyone or anything you know that bull like they have grown out of this anonymous internet culture where bullying went from you know schoolyard whatever to off the rails people telling them to kill themselves Mm. and has made them so protective of letting everybody be exactly who they are as they should i mean i'm totally in support of all this but on the flip side of that just like E said, like some things are going to be offensive to some people and some things aren't. And it's created this, this boundary where you can't say the political correctness of it. Like you can't say anything that would possibly even come close to offending any one person. Therefore, what is it you have left to say? You know, no, that's a good, that's a great point. If we are all to be free to be ourselves and again, agreed, but I think being free to be ourselves also includes being free to make fun of people. Like, I, I think you have to. I think it, I think as a society, and this is going deeper than is necessary, if you don't have somebody that's pointing at everybody and laughing, I think that's a problem. It, it, if we're but all... then it's like, you know, how, how much of comedy has ridden on the backs of, like, really degrading jokes towards women, white guys talking about black culture they know nothing about oh, and putting it in a bad light you know forever. completely racist i mean to the nth degree and so you know censorship on some of that is probably healthy like we i've gone back and looked at things that i used to like and think to myself like oh my god i can't believe i like laughed along with that and thought that was okay you know hmm. now I'm- that's why Personally, Jerry Seinfeld's so great because you don't have to ever feel bad about anything that guy says. That's why. <laughs> that's ahead. why no, he's. I'm, that's why he's not Jeff, so great, in my opinion. 
um, in my opinion. Say because I might be with you on this one. Yeah, that'd be good. Me and you versus Ashley for the first time ever would be nice. (laughs) Um, In my opinion, it's why George Carlin and Richard Pryor will always be a class above Jerry Seinfeld and Chris Rock. And don't get me wrong, Jerry Seinfeld and Chris Rock are exponentially funnier than I will ever be and exponentially funnier than most every other comedian will ever be. But they both, after a time, decided and purposely aimed themselves to be more PG. Not that Chris Rock was ever truly PG. Seinfeld kind of always was. He rarely cut. He, he rarely let me just me. interject in this one for because I have to stand up for my boy. Hit me. No, no, hit I me. Have, I, have, I have everything that Jerry Seinfeld's ever written right here. <laughs> Love it. Um, this is all, if y'all, and again, this is his book. We'll just plug his book. This is all of his material just written out. Um, he is an observational comedian. That is what his comedy is. He more or less to me really created what the observational comedy is. Like Ellen DeGeneres also, I feel, oh, took yeah. it to a, oh, yeah. to, to a next level. Um, but you know, he, yeah, I mean, he's purposefully not getting into deeper political controversial topics like uh, Carlin did, for example. So I feel like there's like cultural comedy. Jerry's an observational comedy guy. It's just Here not going to go question. there. And this is not fair because obviously you, you're not a representative for Jerry Seinfeld. You're not his PR person. But I mean, do you I think, might as well be. <laughs> do you think he's ever thought of a joke? And, and it was funny. And he wrote it down. He's like, man, this is funny. But he also knew it was controversial, so he erased it on purpose. Yeah, he has said, because I, 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 yeah. I mean, it's like really, truly insane, the amount of, I think every YouTube clip he's ever appeared in, I've, I've seen. Um, and like, a, I like old that. TV shows. I knew you liked yeah. him, but I didn't know you loved this guy. This is awesome. No, I, I spent a lot of hours because I didn't have TV in Paris. So I spent a lot of hours like finding a topic that I loved and just going down a YouTube hole and watching every single piece of <laughs> information that there was there. Um, that's the beauty and of he, life and nowadays, but that's a different thing. Yeah. He said that he, there's been lots of times where he's written jokes with cuss words in him and was like, that maybe it needs it here. And then, but he, you know, he does, he, he purposefully does throw it out. That's his choice. But I think that is a hindrance to the comedic process. And this is speaking as the least successful comedian of all time. Do you know how much money I made doing comedy? Negative $800 negative. I I paid $200 for separate times to join comedy (laughs) competitions. I lost all of them in the very first round. So I'm not anybody, you know, this, but I think that is a huge hindrance if you are going to worry about is this going to be offensive and if you've built your your audience in such a way that they expect you to not be offensive, I think you are handicapping yourself. Now, clearly, he's doing well. Clearly, he's fine I was going to say, the dude's worth $900 I don't th- yeah, million. Dollars, I don't think so. he's worried about, A, what I have to say, or B, about his own hindrances because he's clearly successful as can possibly be. So don't get me wrong. He's brilliant. But I think a person that is untethered in a way that – Carlin or Pryor or, or I mean, they, I, I'm not going to just name drop a bunch of old comedians, but I, I, I mean, even just Doug Stanhope or Joe Rogan to a point and Joe's mm-hmm. getting close mm-hmm. to cancel culture now, which is kind of weird too. But I, I, and maybe this is just me because I know that I don't hold things in regard. I, I think the ones that are willing to say the thing that might go too far, I find them funnier, but Eric, I'm curious what you were going to say there. Cause now I think I might've pushed you back towards Ashley's side. No, it's really it comes back to the subjective part and sort of what I wonder in all of this is like whether or not you find it offensive. Like 
if in the moment it fits with the general consensus of what's appropriate, do you think it's okay or it makes sense to go back and like beat yourself up a little bit over the fact that you found it funny then? Because that is no. one thing I, I would disagree with. It's just like, I don't, because I laughed at something when I was 15 and it made sense at the time, I don't really have a problem with that now understanding that maybe it's not funny now. Like, that's just growth. That's the way the world works. Hmm. Yeah, this, I mean, we, I just talked about this with my girlfriends because um, the host of the Bachelor and the Bachelorette franchise that has been on ABC for over 20 Chris something Harrison. years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wait, Chris Harrison. Did he, did he do something? He, he's been ousted from that franchise because he, in an interview, there was the, the last Bachelor was a black male and he picked a white woman as his fiance at the end of the show. And then it came out after the fact that this girl had participated in um, like a Southern plantation style party at her sorority, which has, you know, deep roots to slavery and racism. And then she all, then it came out that she also had done some other pretty blatant stuff, like posing with Confederate flags and maybe was a part of QAnon conspiracy, like reposted QAnon posts. So that goes down another path, but the, what Chris Harrison interviewed her about specifically on a like uh, entertainment TV show was he came to her defense a little bit and you know she said I'm learning I'm growing I didn't realize as a part of the sorority that that was something I shouldn't have been a part of I know that now I'm doing the work blah 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 and Chris Harrison said to her on live TV like you know maybe that was okay in 2018 it's not okay in 2020 and yeah, the internet exploded. And because we've had this cultural reckoning after George Floyd and such, um, felt like that was, he was in defense of racist culture and therefore he was then, um, canceled. So yeah, I don't know. It it gets so sensitive. It, it It just goes back to what he said. It's like, well, if you did something at a time when you honestly weren't aware of the impacts that it had and you're recognizing it now you're apologizing it for it and you promise to make the amends to do better like I, I feel like that's where we have to go with this like people are always going to be fallible people will and have made mistakes I straight up dressed up as um the black spice girl because she was my favorite one from the time the spice girls came out when i was in fourth grade she was my favorite one and in college i was her for with four other girls who played all the other characters she was the one i wanted to be but i guarantee you if i ever ran for office or something i'm thrown up against the wall for sure i didn't do blackface or anything like that i just wore leopard and had a microphone and you know (laughs) dude that's uh last halloween uh, any parents out there, if you guys, or any just Disney fans, if you guys have watched the uh, franchise, The Descendants, um, there is a character. She is a pirate, and she's black, and it's my son's favorite character. She has green hair, and she has magic powers, and he fucking loves her. And of course, she's cool. He got he wanted to be her for Halloween, so I was like, yeah, man, you guys. So I got her, got him a wig and a costume and whatever fucking pirate sword and all that nonsense. And he asked for makeup, and I had to draw the line because. I mean, I know you're only four. So clearly, clearly, he means nothing. Nothing is meant by it, clearly. But I'm not going to let you walk around in blackface, bro. Like, I, I, I can't. I can't do it. Is it kind of your yeah, double? Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's yeah. exactly. Good but call. That's, 
and yeah, was that his goal? Good question, Gabe. Yeah, was it to just wear eyeshadow and play around, whatever? Or was oh, I don't give a shit. If he wanted to just wear like blue skin. eyeshadow, that's fine. But yeah, he wanted to be black. Yeah. Like, and okay. like, there's also now a character in a different show. She's green, and he wants to be green. And I'm like, yeah, man, you can be green. And like, thankfully, he didn't question. Well, why green, not black? Because I don't. He's not. I'm not gonna go down that road. I don't know, man. But like, <laughs> that's that's my point. If you are a child and when i was 13 i was a child and i laughed at jokes and made jokes that i would not be proud of today like eric knows for goddamn sure it's just something it, you, i was a child i mean i still basically yeah. am but i at least just know slightly better but i, and I if do you agree had posted those to twitter and there was, oh, there was record of oh, it you, we wouldn't be, even be able to have this podcast <laughs> all 11 of you out there wouldn't even be listening to this but yeah so it gave i do want to push because i've seen i've seen your facial reactions and, and i'm so curious because i'm guessing you're more on my side here um do you think well let's just start here what what, what have you been thinking for the last five minutes yeah, I mean, ease points are good. Like, it's it's kind of a necessary thing. Like, okay, I guess we got to deal with this now. Like, uh, dragging your feet, I guess, in sort of a way. Yes, I am more in line with your thoughts. I think there is value to be able to laugh at yourself, to be able to draw attention to the whatever you observe, and to in, enjoy it, to 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 have a laugh about it, to not take yourself or anyone else so seriously all the time thank you. um i was also like and y'all were talking about the source of cancel culture and like where did this start i don't know man that's a complex question i mean i i i thought um i think it was ashley's response of like she remembers it kind of coming up with Gen Z or whatever we're calling the new mm -hmm. generation, which yeah. I was like, that's an interesting juxtaposition. I had never thought about it, but I mean, the critique against Gen Z is like, oh, they're not in touch with reality. They're on screens all day, you know, but here they are being like, nah, boomers. Y'all yeah. ain't in touch with reality. Y'all are Y'all been saying these jokes forever. How about yeah. that? Y'all have been know? awful so for a long time. Yeah. That was, I, that was like, wow, that's such a juxtaposition. But anyway. It's, it's well, why... Even still in the modern age where age does not equal respect anymore, whereas it used to. 200 years ago, the oldest person in your tribe was the smartest person because they've just seen the most. Grandma or grandpa have just seen and been around. And whereas nowadays, you can pretty much Google any information you need. So it's more speed-based. But so it, it's, reality has shifted. Attention. Yeah. But you attention still need. The currency. I think mm -hmm. you're right, dude. Views and clicks is is everything. That is the monetization of life at this point. Is you know, and, and we are poor on this podcast because we we do not have a lot of followers. <laughs> but it's it's I still got to work on social media. Oh yeah. yeah, come on, Ash, come on, I Ash. I expected us to Follow be us. million million followers by now, but no, it, it's I think you do need some a, a very small pinch of salt from the old generation where they're like, you know, you're allowed to make jokes like. You are allowed to make jokes, and I will just say that you are. Now, don't be, don't be over the top. I, I think the line has been drawn nowadays because I mean, like, obviously your actions matter. Cosby's a prick. Louis C.K.'s a prick. Weinstein's a prick. All these guys, fuck them. But I might be overstepping here. If you are simply standing on a stage in front of people who paid to hear you make jokes. In my opinion, if I paid for you, whoever you are, Kathleen Madigan, Bill Burr, I want you to be funny. And as long as you're funny, 
I don't care. And maybe this is just me. I'm just talking about, I don't care. I, I don't care at all. I, I just don't, you know what I mean? Like it, it, mm-hmm. it, it could be, it could be anywhere down the line. Like I, I know Steve Harvey has pulled away big time. Now he's like hosting little big shots, but his stand up back in the nineties was crass. It was really racist against both black and white people. Like that was a majority of his comedy for a while. Like he had a whole fuck OJ Simpson bit, like it, it, stuff you probably couldn't do nowadays that I admit, I wish you could, you know what I mean? Like I, I just do thank you. Gave you your same page here. I, I, I would have to throw in a caveat with your example of if I paid to see you, you need to make me laugh. I'm going to throw in a qualifier and are like, there's, there's an expectation there where it's like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and break the ice on our, our new boy, our new shiny toy in town. If I'm paying to go see Bo Burnham, hey, no. I yeah. may, I'm going to be okay if he does not make me laugh like 95% of the time. I just want him to be, to Ooh. entertain me, right? Ooh. Okay. Yes, I, I kind of, I'm perfect. with Gabe, like you sort of have to fit the mold that you expect to be in, which is why I think it actually makes sense for Jerry Seinfeld to edit himself because when you walk into a Jerry Seinfeld show, you expect to have a certain thing. And it's weird to say that like art has to meet expectation because it mm. doesn't necessarily, mm. but there is a certain like contract you enter when you walk into a room and you've paid money to do something. And it's sort of this weird unexplained thing that you all both, everybody kind of understands. My, my perfect thing that I thought about when I, when we, I knew that we were going to talk about this was I brought it up already. Neil Brennan is a stand-up comedian who is most of the time funny, but for anybody who's seen his three mics special, oh, he yeah. literally goes off and talks about his very disruptive, depressive childhood and and his very real struggles with depression. Yet I still laughed my ass off. And I don't know why the Bo Burnham thing did not resonate for me. And I, I told y'all I Ooh. took a whole bunch of notes Yeah, because I feel like I would be that target audience. I, first of all, I love musical comedy, musical theater, like Broadway. I love uh, the creativity of, I like to write song lyrics and stuff too. Like putting thoughts into, into musical format is extremely creative and I love comedy. And this thing fell so flat for me. I can't even... I don't know. It, I, I, I'm kind of shocked by it. I really had a hard time getting through it, to be honest. Like, I really almost gave up multiple times. Wow. So your cat literally liked Bo Borner more than you. <laughs> For anybody listening, she was texting. Her cat was literally locked in. Like, no joke. Her, the Eiffel was locked in, and you weren't. I will say that I maybe reliving the pandemic is just anxiety inducing. So I think some of it is just topical and that room, which I know is clearly intentional, just gave me straight up claustrophobia, like seeing him in that room, which obviously is part of the point. Yeah. Um, and I don't, there, there's something to me about like edited comedy versus just live comedy. You know, I mean, there's a reason laugh tracks are piped in. There's a reason sitcoms yeah, have laugh yeah, tracks exactly. piped in. It helps. It it does. It helps signify or exclamation point. Ooh, e go. I f- I hate laugh tracks so very much because wow. there's nothing worse 
than them telling a joke and there being a laugh track and me just going, ah, nope, nothing. <laughs> yeah. Hmm? <laughs> nothing works. Like I, I'll be this. I'll just tell. I, I hate friends, and it's because Whoa. I don't find friends funny at all. It's a bomb, and it's nothing but laugh tracks or like live audience laughter, whatever. And it just it doesn't work for me. And after ten minutes, I'm just like, I get me out of here. I can't do this. I can't wow. do it. Y'all know that Seinfeld never used a laugh track. All no. of those laughs are real. Those are people. <laughs> This is this is just a fun fact about me. I've probably watched two episodes of Friends to every one episode of Seinfeld. I, I was far more deep with Friends back in the day than I was ever with Seinfeld, which is, I don't know why or what that says about me, but it's just true. It's just a, just a fun little fact there. I like Friends. So, okay. I've seen it all the way through multiple, multiple times, but I not because I think it's funny. I like more of the, the friendship storyline and like the romantic stuff than I do the Perfect. That could, oh, ego. Sorry, I don't want to cut you off. Go. Well, no, I was going to go back to Bo Burnham real quick about the room thing. Let's. It's interesting that you were talking about it as a pandemic piece because what I actually found pretty brilliant about it is that, yes, it's a pandemic piece, but it's not really about the pandemic. It's sort of about the way we live online, right? And to me, that room as a representation of essentially the internet and the way we live our lives on a screen, like that actually really worked mm. for me. Interesting. The internet commentary I, I did find genius. And that kind of came a little bit towards the mid half, like where it, he really nailed that home. Um, so I totally agree on that. Uh, I'm looking at my notes of other things that I wanted to say about the, the social brand content or consultant. That was my favorite part of the whole thing. <laughs> but that's like a written yeah. sketch that I just that I, I audibly laughed out loud to. And then I also really laughed at the Jeff Bezos stuff. Oh, my God. The Bezos thinking, is amazing. Because I was thinking to myself, everything in this person's room he bought on Amazon, like all these light setups and everything. I'm like, oh, my God, he I'm sure he contributed <laughs> to the, yeah. the surge of Amazon during this pandemic. So that's a good question, though, like. Do you find, actually, like, dark comedy or, like, depressive comedy, does that generally work for you? Yeah, that's, what I'm, I mean, that's why I brought yeah. up the Neil Brennan thing, because I was because yeah, he exactly. he makes joke about his depression a lot. And, I mean, I'm sure I can th- – I mean, Richard Pryor, too, just a ton of oh, dark gotcha. stuff in, in his comedy. That, so that's, that's not adverse to me, because obviously Jerry Seinfeld is extremely light and fluffy compared to anything like that. Um, I don't know. I, I, at first, like – I kind of wish he hadn't set up that he was a white male talking about these things because I felt like you didn't even need to. Like it's the sarcasm came off without without that kind of setup. I thought um, the white woman's Instagram I did find very funny. I don't post to my really personal cool. Instagram a whole bunch, but I do consume a ton of Instagram culture and like that. Th- I mean that was a funny bit. Um, white woman. I mean, the Instagram. guy has an amazing understanding of music on top of just oh, like different styles indeed. of music. But the oh, the commenting on the commenting oh, the reaction of, videos, yeah, that that and then and the the um, the gamer like the when he started to, like tying in those internet bits and how people live online because okay again y'all know i didn't i'm not familiar with him so i i I hear that he got his start on youtube so that then became kind of meta and funny to me yeah he's super meta i've only seen two of those clips i I saw a little bit of everything all the time and white woman instagram i mean gamers watched it gabe do you have any thoughts yeah what what do you i'm curious man what what do you yeah i mean 
I totally relate with what Ashley said about um, the anxiety-inducing um, setup of just the room and being trapped in there in pandemic. Um, I mean, the longer I watched it, I was like, wait a minute, he hasn't said pandemic. He hasn't said virus. He hasn't said COVID. None of these words that we use to talk about the whole last year and a half ever came out of his mouth in the whole thing. So when I started to realize that, I, I, that's when I started to get meta. And just like Ashley said also. And I was like, wait a minute. Okay, chill out. Just relax. No more anxiety. Like, just feed it to me, Bo. You know, what, hmm. what do you have to tell me? And so that's when I just became an open book. And I just was letting him dump all of his emotions, you know, of whatever he was trying to say. And that's when I was like, I am entertained. Like, I will pay for this show. And yeah, I don't care if I don't laugh. Content. Yes, yeah. he did. That's interesting, though. And, and I mean, I might be overstepping or just, just broad stroking here, but Ash, best I can tell, and I was guessing here, but you want comedy. Well, let me just ask you this. What do you guys want comedy for? More of a distraction or more of a deep dive with points of, of levity? Because I like both. Don't get me wrong. I, I think both is required. But what do you aim for? What would you prefer when sitting down? I think anything that I enjoy in art in general is when it is a reflection of myself. If a comedian hits a point on any level that I'm like, Oh my God, I've done that. Or I thought that, yeah. or, you know, that's, that's usually what does it for me. Um, yeah. I, I was going to say Seinfeld, the best art, like comedy included, like reflects some truth, whether or not it's about you or society in general. Right. And so like, in any sort of comedy, I want that truth to be reflected. And if it makes me laugh or it makes me think, whatever, that's fine. That's just kind of what I'm looking for. To quote Dane Cook, and I know he's not really popular anymore, but there was a time there when we all loved him. Don't pretend you didn't. We all did. And it was one of his specials. He hit a punchline. He hit a punchline and somebody in the audience laughed and said, oh, that's so true. And he quickly just snapped and he was like, yeah, it is so true. That's why it's funny. So true. Hence funny. And I remember thinking then we were in high school. I was like 17. I was like, oh, my God. Like, yes, like that's a, e, what you just said. He condensed the four words. So true. And it's funny. It has to be. If you're an artist and you're not trying to at least reflect the sign of the times and whatever it is you're trying to reflect, even if it's just a fart joke, it doesn't matter. But if you're not at least trying that, you're probably going to fall flat. And it's interesting that I would consider Bo possibly one of the most modern era reflective comedians going that actually it wouldn't hit you. But he definitely presents himself in a different way. I mean, let me I honestly this. think I honestly think that if he took those concepts and even some I mean, like I wrote there, he said some funny stuff like uh, like he referenced Sandra Bullock and Blindside and mm -hmm. uh, Robert Iger's face, like because Bob Iger's Disney book came out over the last year and everybody was reading it like yep. these little things that caught my ear that I was like, oh, my God, that's really, really funny. Um, if he would have. I don't know. For some reason, the delivery of it just threw me off. And I think Gabe nailed it when he said what he did is I kind of had to do that, too. I kind of had to take myself out of the like, what is this setup? What is this format he's delivering in? And just let like the jokes hit hmm. me. But I think if he were just on a stage with a mic and just delivered that content out, I'd be rolling. I'd be rolling. Oh, laughing. dude, you should. He's got another that, special. That he's got yeah. another yeah. special like that. Yeah, okay, he has well, a couple of standard, it. like regular stand. Like I bought my brother's girlfriend his first DVD back in like 2007, and it's a lot tighter. It's a, he hadn't let himself get to where he is now. Like I, I haven't actually watched the special. I've seen a couple of clips or whatever, but that, that's just a me thing because I don't watch a ton of stand up anymore. But that's he. I find 
lets tension build more than a lot of other comedians. He doesn't feel the need to pepper you with punchlines or keep your attention necessarily like edge of your seat. He will let tension and awkwardness settle in, much like a jam band, which I really enjoy. There are moments of a jam band concert. If you go to a fish show and you just show up 12 minutes late, you might walk in and be like, who are these people don't even know how to play instruments. They're not in sync. They're not on the same time scale. Like they're not even in the same fucking key. Like, and that's, I appreciate that because when you pull it back together, it's even better because of the low, low dip makes the spike go higher. Whereas some Seinfeld and plenty of others like Seinfeld, but Seinfeld is being the gold standard doesn't. Seinfeld is so good. He can hit you routinely and, and almost like a metronome. Yes, exactly. Ash friggin exactly. And, and Bo yes. is not Bo is way looser. I find. And, and, but that leads me to this question. Would you guys say that comedy specifically stand-up comedy or whatever you want to call Bo's latest special or any, any interactive musician slash comedian, whatever, is comedy the most subjective art form? And I don't know how you quantify subjectivity, but I, I will, yeah, I will just start. I think it there. is. I, I think comedy could be the most argued art form where at least with painting, you can show patterns and brushstrokes and you can at least be like, oh, well, they're using impressionism here. And, and at least with anything sport, you can literally tally the score. You know what I mean? E, I'm curious good, what that fate. I, I go ahead, Ashley. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, no, go, 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 E, go, go. Well, I just <laughs> both of your faces are the same. That's my favorite I, part. I, I just <laughs> thought of something. I gotta write it down. Write it. Write it. I don't. What was the question? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like this. You're sort of defining subjective, which is like not a thing you can do. Almost right. Um, I, yeah, I don't know how you measure it, but you know. I I would disagree because. Comedy at the end of the day has to evoke something, whether or not it's a laugh or whatever. And I think art, just like paintings, that kind of thing in general, it's probably more subjective than mm. comedy. Interesting. And I think it's because there's just so many more types probably. And it sort of evolves through the years, I think, a little bit more. And your goals are different. And it is like, again, it's art. So like – all this thing has varying degrees of whatever's, but I don't, I don't know. This isn't an answerable question as I'm talking about. It's just like, <laughs> it's fair. well, I was, I, I, my thoughts were going down the same vein where like film or TV is far less subjective because it's such a collaborative effort. Okay. And uh, like a stand up comedian that I just Googled it. The definition of subjective is influenced by personal feelings, tastes, or opinions. Like you are standing up there as a lone human being with your thoughts that you came up with. And they might have been influenced by previous like things you've seen or whatever, but it's, it's what you formulated out of your head coming out of your mouth. And I guess painting could probably be the same way, but I, I even almost want to agree with Joe on this one, that there is Hey, like, I got Eric and Ashley to disagree twice on an episode. That's never happened. Oh, shoot. Never oh, happened. Man. I love it. The I rip is real. There are kind of like uh, styles yeah. that, that artists <laughs> adhere to. I don't know. But then, but there are sort of st kind of frameworks of comedy. So it's, it's True. yeah. But, I, I, but I, I like this thought. I guess what I would say is that I feel like stand-up or comedy in general, like there aren't a lot of anything comedic that wasn't funny and then became funny or popular, right? 
like I don't know that things ebb and flow as far as the general consensus in comedy like they do in the art world. And to me, that is more a sign of subjectivity than no, that's great. There is very yeah, few, interesting. If, yeah, the, I I don't think I could honestly name many if any comedians that weren't appreciated in their time and then 20 or 30 years later suddenly had a huge resurgence you know what and i that, mean and but that might just i don't know i feel like, like there's got i feel like there them. i feel like there has been comedians that have said like oh i was cracking at this for 25 years and then they finally hit their stride yeah. i mean I arrested mean, development fell off like flopped initially same but with then family later guy. oh my god that is it's the funniest pretty true. show ever same with family guy they both got canceled and, and then brought back because somebody was like wait wait this is rare you're no that's a great point gabe genuinely that's a great great point but yeah i think you're right it is very rare but it's not as it's not as unheard of as i was making it out to think because you're you're i remember buying family guy dvds and the show had been canceled for like a year or more and i remember like this is gold like i think dylan waltz to the death if anybody's listening it's nothing to do with comedy everything to do with basketball but he's funny so check him out Dylan and I sat down to watch the Family Guy DVDs and we're like, why isn't this show still on? Like, this show is amazing. And then it came back because it's fun. And same thing, great friggin' call, Gabe. But yeah, that, that might be the only two I could think of, honestly. I, I can't think of many others. Ash, you okay? Was that your apartment? Did Eiffel yeah. do Eiffel? Something? Is that Eiffel? It's the so ice Eiffel. machine, actually. That was like hella loud. Nice. Mm-hmm. Interesting. All right, so... I. I don't really know how to how to end this episode. Anybody else got any more topics they want to say? Because I've got kind of a closing point, but it's not very good. So y'all got anything else? Oh, here's one. I take it back. Do y'all think that nowadays the idea of be, being a comedian is like less of a title and more of a, a temporary role to play? And here's what I mean. Robin Williams is, is, was a comedic genius. There's nothing I can say that could possibly give that guy enough credit. He, he, he's unbelievably quality when he comes to comedians, but also his dramatic works were equally as impactful. I mean, Goodwill Hunting, one of the best movies ever. I mean, you know what I mean? Like it's it definitely top thousand, def- to five, you know what I mean? And, Dead Poets. And, oh God. Uh, one Hour Dead Photo Fire. was actually still pretty good and it was straight serious the whole time. Like Jamie Foxx and Will Smith both were TV show comedians and now they're both blockbuster action film stars. Like, cause like Will Smith, AI had nothing to do with comedy. It was a straight action movie. You know what I mean? Like Steve Carell in the big short that I just watched. And that's the most pop culture movie I can give straight serious roles by quote unquote comedians. Do you think that's a more recent trend that we allow these funny people to do that? Because going back to like the fifties and sixties, I can't think of a single comedian that would do a two hour straight serious role. Or is that just me? Am I just making too much of this? I don't think Hollywood worked that way back then. I don't, I don't think that. I was yeah, just going to say like, Exactly. Gary Lewis, Mel, Mel yeah. Brooks, they had their lanes, but um, I think I think like we talked before, I mean people who are just really talented performers, I mean the level of talent that it takes to to pull off comedy. I mean Jim Carrey, hello, all of his mm, serious exactly work. What I was thinking oh about. my I god, mean, Eternal Sunshine yeah. is one of my favorite movies. I mean literally one of, my favorite movies. one of my favorite one of my favorite one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, also, like the second most recent movie I've seen, but that's a separate thing. Don't worry about it. And the Truman Show, which he's even still kind of funny oh, yeah. in, but 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 like really, you know, dramatic moments too. Gabe says yeah. no to the Truman Show. Gabe says no, but I mean, <laughs> even John Stewart on the Daily Show would get serious. 
I mean, it, to a lesser extent, yeah. like John Oliver and, and Stephen Colbert too, like funny, crazy guys, but then they will take a moment. I mean, even Samantha Bee and her show, same thing. Like they, they all do this now. But that turns a lot of people off. Yes. Yeah. That's I my question. Rick, Ricky Gervais. Like, yeah. Oh God. Yeah. I love Rick. Golden Globes. Yeah. That was a serious, serious roast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I very freaking serious. loved it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. But they that's a cultural criticism. I, I'm willing to bet. At Ash and EDL's point that Hollywood didn't work that way, but I bet you Mel Brooks could have. I bet you the skill has always been there, but the sure. the the masses weren't ready for it. Like, do you guys? And this is a, this is a very specific episode. Do you guys? Have, did you ever watch Futurama back in the day? And the episode where Fry's dog is waiting for him to come back, and Fry has actually been teleported to a different things. So, it's, anyways, it, I've watched friend of the show Dave Pratt. I watched that episode with Dave, and he fucking cried. And I sat there like. Full on feels. I'm not judging. I mean, like we had like Shit's Creek. Everybody watches Shit's Creek. I've had moments of that show, like when the mom tells the daughter how proud she was of her. Like my wife and I both were just like, oh, like that's not funny at all. I love Catherine O'Hara. She's so yes, and she's so good. Scream in that show. Every time she shows up with a different outfit, I laugh. I can't not laugh. She pulls it off so <laughs> straight face when she's wearing the most outlandish. It's she is she is a, a, a she's just talent that is to be cherished. And it, it's she amazing. Is. But yeah, I, I mean a lot of these shows nowadays, quote unquote comedies, still have very real somber moments. I mean, that one episode of The Office, uh, and I forget the character's name in The Office, but he's like, I wish there was a way to know that you're in the good old days before they pass. And when he said that, I was just like, I mean, all of these shows are, they're funny shows, but like they hit you with these feels. And I think that's the new, I don't, I, I'm not going to say it's the new wave of comedy, but I think we're all just allowing it more. Do you guys at least agree with that? We're all at least more accepting that a comedy show, quote unquote comedy show can have serious undertones. You know what I mean? Like, is that, is that kind of a more recent thing? Um... I don't know, like, didn't, what is it, Archie Bunker, that kind of thing, wasn't the whole point of that, is to sort of address these ideas with comedy, so I think it's yeah. almost baked in the root of comedy, right, is that it allows you to touch on things you wouldn't be able to do purely seriously, it sort of makes them more palatable. Yeah, the sit- the sitcom, I think, has always been balanced by a somewhat serious topic and the, the comedic offshoot. I mean, the Jeffersons ta- tackled a lot about what was going on at the time in that yeah, yeah. in that uh, phase. I mean, even like we brought up Friends. I mean, Friends they go oh, through. Yeah. You know, there's there's breakups. There's Monica's struggles to get pregnant, and you know, st- like real you know moments in tear filled moments in that show as well. Yeah, like when Rachel has her kid. No, which one got pregnant? Yeah. Had a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure been a while since i've watched that show but yeah like there there was there was very serious moments like <laughs> like friggin uh well like even like blazing saddles was, was trying to that. mess with the concept of racism it, it, while be you, you have to be funny if you're gonna go direct at a societal problem you better be funny and i forget the quote but it's like if you're gonna tell people the truth you better make them laugh or they'll kill you and it's true and i in another way i think that the best way to go about things like that is to is to purposefully not say things. And for the millions of you listening, I'm sure you listened last week, but Eric, you'll know what I'm talking about. When uh, we were talking with Natalie about the concert in Denver, it was a country music concert, uh, a country music act that my wife loved. And I liked him. You know, I, he's, he's fine. And I showed up just expecting a, a very standard good old boy country show. But I was like, oh, it's, it's Denver. There's a lot of weed smoke in here. 
but on purpose because I know Natalie, A, not into weed smoking, and B, not into breaking the law at all. So, I mean, she's just like the most straight-laced person I know, besides maybe Ashley, who was the worst thing she's ever done was sneak out to sleep in a car. But that's, you guys know what I mean. She would not have laughed. Ashley would not have laughed at I said, yeah, we went to the show, and wouldn't you know it? They were smoking weed. Instead, I said on purpose, we went to the show, and wow, it smells funny in here. And that invoked a laugh. So I think to me, purposefully leaving out the thing that might be edgy, but everybody knows where you're going with it, but then purposefully pulling it back, I think that's funnier. At least to me. And if you're trying to hit on a topic that, that might be taboo. that not what Jerry Seinfeld does? Bring yeah, back. this actually, what that made me think of was the Seinfeld episode, The Contest. Ooh. Right? Like, that's, yes, the, that's yes, the thing yes. you oh, most King thought of. King of the about. Castle. Yeah. Queen of Master of my domain. Master right. of your domain. Domain. Was, wow. I mean, NBC held them at a time to a standard. I mean, they just couldn't say the word masturbate. Like, that was just not allowed. No, you could. That not made TV. it so much better. But it made, but it, made it And funnier. they said that. He and Larry David said the writing of that. And then also, like, there, there was a couple different ones where they had to get away with. Um, there's an episode where Jerry can't say, can't remember the name of his girlfriend because it rhymes with a female body part. Um, There's stuff that uh, Elaine talks about birth control and it's like all like said, but not said. It's so great. Yeah. No, I I think you're right. I I honestly think purposely leaving out something is funnier than putting it in. So with that said. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, no, you got it. You go. It's what's creating this like inside joke for everybody. It's this relatability that Ashley was talking about. I mean, and this has been going on for a long time. It makes me think of the way my wife talks about Jane Austen and Pride and Prejudice. Yeah. Is that mm. the book is super subtle. Like, Mm. but the, the jokes are in there. And I mean, I guess this is a comedy. Like, I, I mean, it's got kind of a happy ending. It makes you laugh and whatever. It's kind of a love story too, obviously, but yeah, I was about age, to say this, this. That's not a new thing, right? Like no. Shakespeare did that too. Jane Austen, let happy days take happy nights. All exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But I having mean, the audience be in on the joke, taking you on that ride—that's what makes it so much fun. You you feel like an insider to this, you know, situation mm-hmm. as well. I love it. I mean, it's it. Yes, to, to it's like a fake inside joke. It, it's a joke that we all get and we all got from the beginning, but we're going to purposely hold it. Like in Blazing Saddles, when they're talking about the sheriff is a, and they're talking, they're going to say the N word, but then they have that they're, the bell near. ring every yeah, time. Yeah, he's near. The yeah. sheriff's, exactly. It's, it's, it's just like that. It's hilarious when you purposefully leave something out. So, so with that said, I want any and all of you listening to know that I love you. I, I really appreciate you listening. And most importantly, do not forget this. I want you to know that 